want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having my new fast friend globally, digitally, and on the pavement from New York City, Helene coming in from City Row. We're going to talk connected fitness. We're going to talk books. We're going to talk a little bit of summer camp, and we're going to talk about whatever else we want. So welcome to your first Halo Talks of many. Thank you, Pete. I am so happy to be here. Awesome. So we got connected probably like five years ago and someone always said, oh, you have to meet her and vice versa. So we finally met in person. We talked a little bit of shop. We talked about some geography and sports growing up and dealing with probably hitting the ice cream man too many times and became athletes like later in life. Right. Uh, As I mentioned to you, spending time in the Sears Husky department is where I was at trying to get big and strong after eating too much cereal back in the day, but now I am an athlete and as are you a leading athlete. So tell us about your story. Wow. Uh, Pete could not agree more with the, with the founding story, but um, yes, glad we were able to finally meet earlier this year. And um, yeah, you got, you got the quick and dirty over a couple of cocktails. I'll give you the, uh, the fast one here. Yeah. Actually, you know, mimic you and the chubby kid growing up. Um, started my career after going to big 10 college and was working in tech startups. So I caught that early bug of SaaS software and technology and did a couple fun exits, worked my fucking ass off. And uh, at the same time, I was starting to like kind of get into that healthy lifestyle. So it really kind of took me until right after college to figure out like maybe stop hitting the ice cream in. Um, For me, it was the nacho place at college. Um, And so... I fell in love with fitness as a consumer and ended up hurting myself really badly. Uh, ended You're up doing with- CrossFits or what was your, what was your um, modality I- of choice back then? Yeah. So my uh, boutique fitness drug of choice was spinning. I was a junkie. I was doing it a couple of days a week and I was aggressively dancing on a spin bike. I was trying to win the class when you, the particular class I was taking, there was no winner. And in fact, I was the loser because I ended up, Creating three discs in my lower back. At I'll tell you the best way to do that now, because I've been going to Soul Cycle and there's only like five or six people actually physically in the class, unfortunately. So when they start stretching, I leave the room first and I tell the front desk I won. Yep, you know, it's you like a race to walk out and get get to wherever else I'm going. Um, so look, what made you or gave you the confidence at the time? You know, you've worked at some big companies, Salesforce, Buddy Media, to say. Hey, I'm going all in on myself. I'm going in all in on boutique fitness. Obviously, this is pre-digital. Besides following your conviction, which I'm sure you do all the time, you know, what, what was going through your head to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the leap now. And worst case, like, I'm okay. Great question. I actually was trying to convince myself not to do it. 
because I knew nothing about boutique fitness. I'm a tech junkie. I know how to build software. I can write a little bit of code even if you pay me enough. And I was like, show me all the reasons not to do it. And I couldn't find enough, frankly. The more I talked about this concept that really didn't exist in the market, we were really the first to bring rowing to the forefront, making it sexy and cool and part of a hit class. I just kept getting external validation right? Not everyone. Most people tell you not to do it. But from the people that were close around me, it was a, what do you have to lose? You can do it in a scrap. I didn't raise millions to get this thing off the ground. Right. right? I remember, I remember you had like, I mean, what floor was it on? It was like the 15th floor on 15th street or something, or to remind me where the location was. I mean, we had the shittiest elevator banks in New York city and we had shared bathrooms on the floor. I barely did any construction. It was mostly like, let's test this thing out and see if right. the actual product works. Because what gave me conviction, Pete, was the fact that I had worked for a lot of tech companies that had shitty products, but great marketing, and they sold for about a billion dollars. And so I thought to myself, if I could have a product that actually works, and then right. I know how to do sexy marketing, we're good to go. Yeah. But it is an interesting sequence because we have a lot of people that come in, you know, say, hey, I'm raising $5 million. I'm like, oh, where's your prototype location? Oh, it's on page 12. Um, you know, that usually doesn't resonate with investors. Like, I want to see it. I want you to basically take the first risk. I mean, at the end of the day, you're doing an experiment, right? I mean, that's all an entrepreneurial business is and see if it works. So what kind of got you to the point where, hey, I'm going on the 14th floor. I'm not paying 50 grand, you know, a month. and you know, I'm going to focus on the programming. Is it, does that harken back to anything about, you mentioned, you know, shitty products and good marketing, but say like, Hey, if I can create something that's like my own killer app, doesn't matter where it is. I'll spend it when I'm ready. Exactly. So to me, this was the MVP, right? It was the proof of concept and it was, let's just test this thing in raw form and let's strip it down and let's remove the sexy and shiny objects that you can slap onto a pig with lipstick. And let's just make sure that when you keep peeling back the layers of ultimately what we're going to be building here, at the core of what this company is, what this product is, it can't get any better. And if we start with the rawest form of what we are, then we can put the sexy marketing and the retail location and the million dollar build out on top of it, and it will only make it stronger. But I had witnessed both in tech and also in other boutique fitness, so many things were pigs with lipstick on them. Yeah. Yeah. I really didn't see enough quality and programming out there. And so that's what gave me the conviction to go on 15th floor. So, you know, obviously the the tech ecosystem, you know, in New York, Silicon Valley, um, I feel like once you're in that, you can kind of pull a lot of different resources. You know, you ask a friend, hey, I need somebody to help me with this, with that. When you got into fitness, you know, did you say to yourself, all right, how am I going to find somebody to help me do the programming? Like, I'm not, I can't code you know, you know, exercise, you know, science. Like, so tell us maybe on a granular level, because it feels like the way you started it and kind of risk adjusted it for yourself was the best path forward. And it, you weren't in a rush to do it. So how did you, you know, tell us like what, who you spoke to, how you did that and what was important to you? Please. Yeah. So the concept was I, that I had started to be, I started, I was talking to my trainer about it. So initially like my trainer was involved, he quickly stepped away And I think step one of how to do this was I was self-aware enough to know that I was not the fitness professional, nor did I want to be, nor did I think I could be good at it. And so I knew at the same time I was good at the business side, I could manage, I could market, 
but I had to fill that hole and it was a non-negotiable. And so I spent about nine months trying to find a person. I DM'd legitimately everyone on Twitter you could imagine. And I went through a lot of people. I flew someone in from Texas who had taught a random rowing class, right? Hmm. About 10 years ago, Katie. So rowing was not mainstream. It was not cool. It was not sexy. And I was trying to find somebody that had any kind of rowing experience. And then one day, I saw a girl trending on a website called Rate Your Burn, which is no longer around, but it basically ranked instructors and trainers. Do you remember that? No, I never saw that one. Is that like, uh, are you hot or not from like the 90s or what was it? You know, I'm not sure I can comment on that specifically, but it was, uh, right, fine. Hey, are, you, are you good or not at a, in boutique fitness? But it, but it was people that were following and basically like, it was like a, uh, like a Zagat's for instructors, you're saying. Instructors, classes. Okay, gym. okay. And so one day I'm looking at the top 10 best instructors in the city and I'm like, holy shit, I know that yoga instructor. We studied together in college in Madrid for a whole semester and we got <laughs> in trouble together. And okay. she's always into fitness. Let me just reach out to her. So I reached out to Annie. It had been about six or seven years at this point. I said, let's get a juice. She responds like two weeks later. Can't wait. Can't wait to meet you to catch up. Over the course of that juice or coffee, she's like, this sounds great. Like, let me know how I can help you. I'll bring all my friends. And I was like, no, no, no. I need you to come and do the thing. Can you learn how to row? And can you figure this out? And for me, she said yes. And lucky for City Row, she is still here today, and she's the first. That's awesome. Here. Her name is Annie Mulgrew, and she's one of my best friends. That's great. So, you know, when you started to do that, and one of your best friends, um, did you basically like seed the programming to her? Was it collaborative? Because sometimes people say, "Hey, I'm doing this business with my, you know, best friend or close friend," and half the time, that's maybe doesn't the outcome doesn't work out. Where she's still there, you know, on day. So when Annie came 2000, on. Board, when Andy came on board, we had, we had lost touch over the years. So at this point, we were kind of like longstanding acquaintances. And so it was actually right. a pretty easy lift. And in terms of the programming, I gave her a concept and parameters. And we talked about core values. We mm-hmm. wanted this to be scalable for all fitness levels. We wanted it to be high intensity but low impact. We wanted it to be intentionally designed. We wanted mobility at the forefront of class that was kind of disguised and camouflaged into being core. And so we wanted to give people the bells and whistles of a sexy, high-intensity class they were getting everywhere else, but also give them, you know, the nutrients. We always talked about, we're feeding you broccoli with cheese on it. And she took it. I didn't even chime in, right? Every once in a while, I had a programming idea, but she she had the the power to shut me me down. Now, Mm. talking about hiring your best friend, that was the next hire, Pete. Um, I hired my best friend at the time, someone I worked with at Buddy Media, my first tech company, we had very complimentary skill sets. And for the first year of me running the business as a side hustle, she was my first call. And so it was a yeah. natural fit. We had a lot of conversations. We hired lawyers. And um, the fact that me and Annie and Ashley, our third co-founder, are still together, yeah. probably the thing I'm most proud of over 10 years. A complete aside, but do you have a best friend from high school, summer camp, you know, traveling distance? Because I got caught one time where I had like seven of my quote-unquote best friends all in the same place and it got it got a little weird it got a little so, weird so if you have more best friends are they going to be somehow like incorporated in this and when we do this again in a couple of years be like well my friend in from the berg she is and yeah 100 building your own tent i mean yeah, okay ashley likes to make fun of me because i got a best friend in every city particularly oh, after, you after you franchise you got a best friend everywhere yeah agreed agreed 
That's great. I, I have that, but I did run into that. So I think it's, it's good when you build up this relationship set over time. And, you know, I still go back to my Emory friends and business school friends. And it's amazing how you kind of can reconnect, you know, so I, I encourage people to do more of that than just posting an ad up on indeed or, you know, looking for something and going through some business connection, like seed into your friends and family network because they they will do things for you just like you would do for them. First people in the door for class, first people writing a check. I have every single one of my former bosses sits on my cap table. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, that says a lot. You know, so obviously you lived through some crazy times, you know, going from bricks and mortar to digital now to, to hybridization. Um, you know, I, I'm a big, you know, soul cycle and boutique fitness junkie. Obviously there has not been, you know, a wave of people just saying like, okay, back to my old routine. I'm ready to go again, which I thought there would be. Uh, I think a lot of studios maybe forgot that they have to do like a real grand reopening of the business. But, you know, as you kind of see the demand that's been pulled forward on the connected fitness side, what you've built that, you know, is basically like a best in class software platform, um, and content production. And you've, you know, you had some studios, you could obviously go back in, in and out of that as much, you know, if you want to. So how do you kind of see the world going forward and, and where city row kind of exists in that ecosystem? Yeah. Thank you, Pete. Um, you know, you hit the nail on the head in terms of who we are and where we sit in the system. We were very early in building technology. And so we've been in market with our, uh, with our software and our technology since 2018, which meant that we were very ahead of the curve for COVID. We weren't the let's layer this on now. We were able to capture a wide, wide, wide range of people throughout the entire time. We felt what everyone else was feeling on the studio side. We still are. Um, we are in the midst of a massive hangover. And yeah. as a girl that went to a Big Ten college, I have felt a lot of hangovers. This one's worse for some reason. Um, well, you're not alone. I don't know how many people admit it, but there's a complete, almost like disorientation going on. It's almost like you wake up and it's cloudy and about to rain and maybe there's a little bit of rainbow, but you don't know if it rained yet or something weird's going on in our little world right now. Well, you know what? A fucking tornado came through. Yeah. And it was like a tornado mixed with like a little bit of a drug taco. There were some highs, there were some lows, some things did really well and there were some highs, but there were also some total destructions. And so I think like, it's, it's not surprising that we're going through this recalibration and this, this, this hangover from the highs, right? Everything that goes up kind of has to come down a little bit. Not right. surprising. I think where, where myself, where my board, where our investors feel a lot of, you know, um, confidence in the City Row brand is that we've been around for almost 10 years and the brand punches very, very, very far beyond our weight. And we've always been a bit of the head of the curve when it comes to technology. And so I do believe that we're in the midst of a little bit of a storm right now. I think the next 12 to 18 months are going to be challenging. But at the mm. same time, and you and I can talk about this forever and nerd out for days, fitness is only going to continue to grow, right? The funnel is continuing to grow. And so while we have to like deal with the fact that we had some weird trends for a while. Overall, the funnel and the pot and the people, it's only going to continue to grow. And so it's a matter of time before that funnel fills back up of demand, both on the studio side and also for connected and digital and at-home fitness. I mean, it's probably some analogies. If you think about other industries that are, you know, seasonable, seasonal businesses, like they have a psychology that, okay, you know, if I'm selling Christmas trees, right, I'm selling them only for like 60 days, right? And then I'm basically going to be dormant, if you will, and, you know, plan for the next big 
uh, holiday. Whereas in fitness, it's like, it would be great if you could just say, um, or some of these groups that, that know the demand is not there tomorrow. Just say, you know what? I'm going to freeze my rent just like I can freeze my membership and I'll be back in, you know, September 30, 2023, you know, and, and, and almost like hibernate for a little while because you know, nothing amazing is going to happen and you know, nothing like catastrophic is going to happen, but you basically just going to be like, yeah, it was okay. Like we went, if I was a football team, I went eight and eight last season, you know, I'm like yeah. waiting for the next season. Number two, like in growing again. You, know. you, you blew your whole wad for two years and you have to realize that, you know, you're going to have to, you have a lot less budget. You got to have a lot, you're going to have some losses this year and you just got to survive to win as Simon Sinek likes to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is something though, that the average entrepreneur, you know, has either said, you know, cause we, we've say that we become certified entrepreneurial therapists in the last three years. Cause we talked to a lot of people and they say, you know, it was COVID I got through it. And now, there's no, there's no, you know, a pot of gold at the end of this. Now it's just, you know, partly cloudy and I'm going down the same trail, kind of looking back and looking forward and nothing's really helping me psychologically get to the next level. And a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm sure like yourself, your business is who you are and it's personal and you can't necessarily like ring fence how I feel and how my business is doing at the same time. So how do you, kind of keep the highs lower and the lows higher and just say, and maybe just saying it like you did, Hey, the next 12, 18 months, it's going to be partly cloudy. We're not going to be the best team in the world, right? We're not going to be Manchester, you know, city, but you know what, if I stay in the, in the league, good things are going to happen. Yeah. I think it's about being very direct, very real and very factual. And I think at least speaking for myself as an entrepreneur, the past years, but I would say particularly the past nine months and year, ever since things start to start to turn at the beginning of the year, are really when I also had to start practicing a new way of viewing the business, right? right. Because I think that, and I talk, I have franchisees who are like, what did I do wrong? And I have to constantly say, sometimes it's not you, right? Sometimes it is the deck of cards that you were dealt and there was a black card in there and there was no, there was no defensive card that you could have played. And so I think that there's actually a lot of lessons to be learned for entrepreneurs right now. By the way, you know, don't recommend it. But if you do decide you have to do it, jump in. The water's really cold, right? right. Really, yeah. really cold. And this yeah. is the year where you have to realize that you are not the company and that just because there might be some external factors that are pointing the company in a different direction that you couldn't necessarily control, has nothing to do with how great you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people – I was watching a documentary on um, – uh, John Calipari, the coach of the Kentucky Wildcats basketball team. And when he got fired at age 40, he was coaching the Knicks. He's like, I got to leave my my bed for four days, you know, because it was so attached. My job is so attached to who I am as a person that I couldn't, couldn't delineate it. But give us a, you know, we got a couple of minutes left here. Tell us, you know, and, and you're obviously very transparent. You're very direct and very factual. You know, when you have investors that, you know, looked at Peloton and said, oh, wow, I can invest in City World when Peloton's at 150. Um, now, obviously, the market's recalibrated. You know, you've got a pathway. You know where you're going to get to. But, you know, how do you kind of tell people, hey, look, what's going on in the public market? It's also going on here. The good thing is you don't have to mark the market like you do and look at your E-Trade or TD bank account and figure out, like, you're down X amount. But just, just like, hang tight. Be patient. I got a good team. I got two of my 10 best friends on the team. Don't worry about it. We'll figure our way through it. So how do you kind of mix like the enthusiasm that you always need to have in talking to any investor 
but also the confidence and also the clarity. With all of those things as directly as humanly possible. Um, I think this has probably been the hardest update that we've had to share um, because while we do, we did kind of strike something that was, is really kind of powerful for the future of the business, we are doing exactly what we talked about five minutes ago. We're hunkering down, we're staying lean, and we're ensuring that we are just doing what we have to do to get through the next 12 months and make sure that we're prepared to do what we need to do for the next season and the next game. But for this game, we have this is how you win. And I think that it is in that in strength of communicating things that are challenging where people actually have confidence in you. And it is not fun, but the reality of the situation, and I think that if you're transparent about it and you provide information and data, then people can make their own decisions. And then also the last piece of the piece is that you have to realize that like people are all going through their own things. And if they're upset, they're allowed to be upset. And it's up to you as the entrepreneur and the CEO not to take that personally. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you got any good business quotes? I mean, I think we've got a lot of them that came out of this podcast already, but any, any kind of gut quotes that you think about or that guide you or someone's like, uh, that she talks about that all the time. All the time. A couple of favorites. Um, I think I just, I said one of them a little while ago, but as I tell young entrepreneurs all the time, and remember you asked me, why did I, you know, what gave me the confidence to start? I didn't want to, right? I knew that it was going to be pretty hard, but I also knew that I wanted to bet on myself. And I would say, jump in if you really want to do it, but go in eyes wide open. This is not rainbows and butterflies. The water is cold and there are fucking monsters lurking below. And if that sounds appealing to you, then you should definitely have some fun and jump in. But the water's cold and there are sharks. Um, and then I would say the other piece of it is, and I this kind of goes to the friend piece. I really believe in the notion, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah, I like it. Awesome. Well, on your last point, I do not purposely surf or swim in the ocean because the sharks are in there. So I like to know what's below me at all times. So to control the controllables and to deal with the uncontrollables, city row, get on a rower and let's move forward. Take your time because we'll be around for a long time. Good to see you. Thanks, Steve.